0: Welcome to Growing Your Business with People. Today, I'm joined with Sandra Dreyer, my co-host for some upcoming podcasts on a number of subjects that relate back to employer brand, belonging, and growing your business with people. I want to give a big shout out to Meredith Vay, whom I worked with at CVS Health and who's now at Amazon. Meredith introduced me to Sandra, an amazing person whose deep knowledge of employer brand, communication, and engagement have generated some very deep conversations. As my co-host, we thought she might share a little bit more about herself, her background, and her interests uh, with our audience. Welcome, Sandra.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I'm very happy to join you, and um, and also thank Meredith for the great introduction as well. So it's been it's been a pleasure working with you. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Uh, well, thank you, Meredith. And thank you, Sandra. So Sandra, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit more about who Sandra Dreyer is.
1: So I really came into the employer brand uh, world by chance. Um, so I started my career in public relations in New York City, um, did corporate PR and then organizational change uh, PR. And that really led me to work with uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. And I worked in mergers and acquisitions and that post-deal integration period when uh, all of those decisions are being made and all of those questions are being asked. So I kind of focused on the cultural aspect of an integration, and then the HR aspect, as well as all of the communications, both internally to employees and externally to uh, to key stakeholders. Um, And through that journey, I I spent so much of my career at PwC. I worked in the New York office. I worked in Chicago. I worked in London, all in the sort of merger and acquisition world, and just kind of by chance worked into a position um, where I led the employer brand function at PwC. And I was really the first one um, to lead that function. It was uh, back in the days when that wasn't necessarily in the vernacular of jobs. Uh, I think my first job there might have been called the brand and communications person, um, as opposed to the uh, employer brand, because that still was sort of new in development. Um, But it was a really interesting transition because I had a really strong background and foundation in marketing and PR and communications, but I also had a really strong understanding of PwC as an employer because I had worked in so many offices. I'd worked internationally. um, And so I really understood sort of the aspects of PwC that made it such a unique and interesting place to work. So it was a great marriage and combination of the two. Um, And that's kind of how I I started into the employer brand world. Having led that for many years, I also worked at uh, a consulting business where I led the global employer brand and recruitment marketing function in consulting. Um, And that's really kind of after a few years, what led me to Amazon. And uh, so that's kind of been my, my transition into the employer brand world. But it's been really interesting. Having had experience, it's both Internally working for very large, uh, comp companies and, and sort of complex matrix companies, but also having served on the consulting side for small, medium and large companies and, and being able to see so many different aspects of really what makes a company unique and uh, the aspects of those cultures that really kind of make it unique. So that's been a, it's been kind of an interesting, um, uh, experience. Certainly not something I started in my career journey thinking about, but it was just a really natural evolution, I think.
0: Wow. Not many people start out their idea, their ideal career saying they'll get into recruiting or employer brand, but many of us end up there because, uh, we just have passion about it. And obviously your passion comes through, uh, with your experience at, uh, at Amazon and PwC and many other organizations. So, so tell us what excites you most about some of your upcoming episodes of growing your business with people.
1: Well, and I think part of why I was um, so excited to get introduced to you and really start to to work with you on, on some of these things is there's so many um, aspects of the employee experience that are often overlooked until potentially there's a problem or there's something that needs to be remediated when it comes to your employee population, whether that is, you know, why do we have a high attrition um, uh, number or why do we have issues with productivity or engagement? And what I love about the podcast and all of the different areas that you dive into is that there are so many areas across the business that touch people. And the reality is it doesn't matter what the business is and what you do if you don't have an active and engaged population of talented employees who are really sort of in the right place and are being kind of given the right direction and the right motivation the right rewards and recognition your business is not going to be successful because it is not a transaction um, you know when people come to work at a company this is such a personal decision for them um, you know you often spend a lot more time with your colleagues than you do your family um, and so being making that decision and and knowing how to tap into what motivates what drives your employees which at the end of the day also drives and, and helps you meet your business goals is so critical. So there's so many areas I think that you can dive into, but I love how, you know, we're starting to really focus on things like belonging, for example, which is being added to that DE&I um, uh, uh, vernacular, which is, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, um, you know, the importance of belonging is not just that you're, you know, when you're included, you're invited to the table, but when you feel like you belong there, you're contributing. So how many of your employees really feel that they're able to contribute and and that their individual uh, perspectives and opinions are going to make a difference? And, you know, while you can see that uh, that's something that, you know, it's, it's important, but we'll, how does that really drive my bottom line? What ideas are being left on the table? Because you do have employee populations that don't feel like they belong or that they're able to kind of bring their authentic selves to work. So there's so many different aspects, I think, that you're diving into in these podcasts that are so critical and that really should be built into the forefront of all of these um, strategies as opposed to being identified once there's an issue that has to be remediated. So that's what I really love about this podcast. And I think we're going to have great opportunity to really pick these apart individually and give some real tactical solutions and ideas to CHROs or CEOs who might be struggling or starting to think about these areas.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. And, uh, and how exciting, uh, we, we talk about belonging and we say inclusion is what, what you do, you know, what you, the action you take and belonging is that internal uh, that intrinsic feeling that the employees sense uh, that they have. Are they really a part of this organization? Do they really have the buy-in? Uh, which is much more than engagement. Engagement is, uh, is, is, is kind of a, a whole different level of, uh, of measure. But the belonging is like almost, are you an owner of your own company? Are you like a part owner? That is some exciting stuff. And and one of the things we talk a lot about is leadership. So tell me about the leaders or leader who who most inspired you to do your best work and really what makes them so special and different from all other leaders.
1: So I, you know, and those are such powerful um Relationships when you when you strike a chord or you find a leader who you can really emulate and you can learn by example. And I was extremely fortunate to have such an amazing experience early on in my career. Um, I actually posted a story about this on LinkedIn a a while back and tagged some of my colleagues that worked with this leader, who um, unfortunately for all of us has retired um, uh, at this point. But um, one of my first partner that I worked with at PwC. Um, it was a woman named Barbara Kraft. Um, so Erin Falcione and Genevieve Giralt, if you're listening, I, I think you'll echo everything I'm going to say now about this individual. But it was it was a very interesting because when I, I was actually proactively uh, contacted by PwC, I wasn't actively searching um, for a new role. And I remember walking into the interview and she was late because she was driving in New York. So we were in Manhattan, it was traffic. And I was sitting with the HR um, director, you know, we're waiting for her. And she walked in and just having a little bit of a banter with myself and the HR director. And I remember thinking immediately, I'm either going to work for this woman or I will know her the rest of my life. There's no question that there is this woman is going to be very important in my life. And it was from just the way she was interacting with me and some of the – and I've only ever had that one other time, and that was truly when I met my husband (laughs) for the first time. So it's just that immediate connection where you're thinking, my gosh, there's something about this individual that I've connected with. And, And I think what it essentially was is when you talk about growing your business with people, that was core to Barbara's mantra. And you know, she came very much from the perspective that if my people are taken care of and they're feeling happy, appreciated, and engaged, then they're going to make me look good um, across the business. It's not, you know, it's, it's not purely selfless, but it was if I can take care of their needs and make sure they're feeling seen, heard, They feel they belong and they feel like they're part of something bigger, then they're going to be more active and engaged and they're going to work better for for me. And I think it was tapping into what the personal motivations are. I think she was probably different with everybody on her team, knowing what their personal um, motivations were. Um, She made a lot of room for us to, you know, we literally, I was traveling six days a week. So it was not, uh, it was not an easy life in, in mergers and acquisitions. And you kind of lived out of a suitcase. On the weekends as well as as during the week, because there was no point of unpacking. It was really tough. But I remember one day I had come home. It was late on a Friday night. I had gotten a, a call from my client that they needed me back on Sunday night, and I was tapped out. I mean, I was tapped out, and I was tapped out to the point when I got home. I said to my husband, "I, I, I this has to end. I cannot live like this. This is just constant." And I I picked up my voicemail. And my partner, Barbara, had left me maybe a 30 second voicemail. And in that voicemail, she told me how much she knew I was sacrificing, how well I was doing, how much she appreciated me. And if there was anything that I needed to make my, you know, personal life, uh, you know, balanced a little bit more, let her know. Jeff, I got off that phone. Mm -hmm on cloud nine, thinking that I had hit the lottery when it came to jobs, that I had the best situation in the world. And my husband looked at me and said, this woman is smart. She didn't give you a raise. She didn't give you more vacation time. She didn't tell you, you didn't have to fly out on Sunday night. And you went from ready to quit miserable to, I am so lucky to be here. And it was because she cared about me as an individual. And so when I kind of went through my leadership journey, and I've I've led many teams, global teams, large teams, I always try to tap into what is it about each individual that I'm managing that is something that I can tune into to help make their job fit better into their lives. I just think that that's a really important sort of Tool to take with you as you as you kind of become a leader.
0: That's a powerful story, and uh, and 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 we could all learn a lot uh, from that story in learning how to be a leader and learning how to care so much about our employees. But as an employment brand expert, you are kind of by trade a master storyteller. So. Tell me about one of your most compelling brand stories and what, what was the impact it had on you and, and, and others around you?
1: So I've been really fortunate because in addition to sort of working in very, you know, large organizations, I've also been able to be a consultant for so many businesses that you may not have even heard of, um, that are, um, unique and, and in their own individual ways. And so there's so many stories of how do you get those nuggets? Um, how do you get what's really different and special and unique about a company and make and, and augment that? I think the, the, the core principle is that it has to be authentic. It has to be authentic to the business culture. Um, and you can't make up something. If, if you tell a story that is not actually lived internally, you actually are doing more damage to your employer brand than you're doing benefit. So you could be a masterful storyteller, but if that story is fiction, you'll be called out. And you know, in, in, in the era that we live in and social media and all of the, you know, uh, the platforms like Glassdoor and things where people are talking, that that will be something that screams if if it's inauthentic. A couple of stories come to mind, one that I was very core involved in, and one that I've seen very um up close and, and personal that I think is a great story as well. So the first one, um, probably my journey into employer brand at PWC was obviously my introduction into this area. But I think what it really helped me to is understand the power and importance of this function. So again, you know, and as I mentioned before, I kind of came into this accidentally, um, having the foundation of building, you know, marketing and storytelling and communications, but also having such a you know up close and personal experience with PwC as a business, being my employer. And one of the problems back then that we faced is that the brand that PwC had was very much for that C-suite executive. You know, we were a very corporate brand. You know, I, I remember our our um, our color palette was Ocean, you know, very subtle and professional with the Azure blues and the navies and, you know, very quiet and corporate. And when I came into the business, one of the challenges that we had was how do we recruit 20 year old plus students on campus that have diverse backgrounds. And we have such a stuffy corporate brand, but we're trying to recruit, you know, individuals off campus that can't see themselves in, you know, 10 to 15 years as a partner. You know, that's not their immediate interest. Their immediate interest when you're off campus is what's my next two years look like? Because after that, I might move on. And it was a really interesting, and I won't go into the whole story of kind of how we got there, but I think what was really key is understanding who it is that we're trying to recruit. So I talk a lot about, you know, building candidate personas and building a strategy, just like from a marketing perspective, around how do you engage, attract those personas. And so going into really a deep dive and doing a lot of research with the universities we had relationships with and with the the students to say, what is it that's motivating you? What are you looking for in a career? What is it that is something that you are hoping to accomplish in five to 10 years? And most importantly, being authentic that we don't expect you to spend your entire career here. And I think that was a message that a lot of people went, oh no, we don't wanna talk about life after. We we just wanna talk about getting them here. And I think it's kind of going into, let's be realistic. They're looking at two, maybe four years Perhaps they'll spend their entire career here, but that is more of a rarity than it is a norm. But that doesn't mean we can't get the best top talent here who, by the way, might come back and come back into their career at, at the business or could be a future client. So it's all about kind of getting that brand that's attractive and not coming at it with, here's everything that PwC has and can offer you, but coming at it from what it is that you need in a career and what it is that you need fulfilled that by the way we offer here this is a place to continue your education this is a place to launch your career but being authentic and realistic that you don't necessarily need to be here your entire career to get those benefits so we really sort of shifted the brand not just the color palettes but also really authentically talking about how you can grow your career your own way here you don't have to take that typical path from you know entry level to partner and here's the stairs that you have to climb and There's all the hours you must give away from your family in order to do that. So that was a really sort of um, an amazing opportunity for me to just literally get thrown in the deep end when it came to employer brand. But then to see the fruits of that as we started to build that content and really kind of grow that and and talk about all the different ways in which, you know, people had their careers here was was really important. And I think fantastic. The the other the other story and I won't go into as much detail cuz I didn't have as much experience with it but um but but one brand that I think has an incredible uh employer brand is Bacardi. And I do have a lot of experience from my familial connection to as an, as an employee of Bacardi. But um I think that is a story that is so unique. Um, Bacardi started as you probably know in Cuba and um was ousted during the revolution. But what they did by focusing on taking all of their employees and helping bring them to the United States to set up their lives. Um, And the way that they treat their employees, they don't even call them employees, they call them primos, which is Spanish for cousins. Um, But everything about that organization and the way that they talk about the employment experience is all about that sort of familial historical connection that they had when they started and they came to the US. So the reason I share that story is because every company has a unique story. Every company has something unique and special about it. Find out what it is, augment it, and that is really already what your employer brand is. So it's just connecting the dots throughout that sort of employee experience, I think.
0: Wow, that's so powerful. You know, and, and the, and the Bacardi story is one I was just reading about, uh, the first president of Bacardi. Uh, you had it on your LinkedIn profile and, uh, I was uh, watching the, the video, uh, before, before we got together. And, and you really don't appreciate, uh, just how, um, I think that, what did you say? They, they call, uh, they call their, uh, the, the colleagues. Primos, primos. which mm-hmm. which means cousins cousins right mm-hmm. cousins mm-hmm. so so I mean literally referring to everybody within the organization as a family member right and tre- treating them as such uh, is phenomenal so so I think we learned some really wonderful things about Sandra today uh, we learned that uh, that employer brand isn't something that you create it's something that you amplify you amplify the culture, you amplify the elements of it that are especially important to the second lesson, which is really understanding your target audience and what matters to them. And what elements of your culture and your brand are really going to connect with them and be able to be useful for them long term. For example, PwC, it's, a, you can get a lot out of an experience within PwC without spending 30 or 40 years there, right? You can get a tremendous experience out of three to five years or more, you know, if you want to. And then I love how you talk about your, uh, you know, your, your, your leader. And, and how great leadership starts really with appreciation and, and where that begins is really where, where, where people care about the, their colleagues, the folks that are doing the long hours who are getting up and leaving on a Sunday and getting home on a Thursday or Friday and not seeing their loved ones or the friends of their family for uh, for for very long periods of time when they're working 12 14 16 plus hour days right so, so that appreciation is really the beginning of great leadership. And those are the three things that I took away, uh, on top of, uh, the fact that Bacardi calls their, uh, calls their colleagues cousins, which is I had no idea until I watched, uh, the video and talked to you. So thank you so much, Sandra, for agreeing to be the co-host on Growing your business with people, a podcast dedicated to CEOs and business leaders who want to grow their business with the most important and biggest investment that they have, people. Please check us out on the, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, as well as our 14 audio channels, including Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, you know, and Amazon, iHeart, and many more. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sandra.
1: Thank you, Jeff.